0: Who's had a good day? Yeah. Um, welcome if this is your first night tonight. Um, we're in for another awesome night and I'm just really excited about what I want to share with us all tonight. Um, as you know, last week I was rushing to get to a plane, I just, Kirk shared this this morning, but I just want to share this, is just pure the goodness of God. So I was watching the time tick and I'm going, man, I've got to get on this plane, but Anyway, by the time I got to the airport, thanks to the Wheatleys, uh, every green light we had going through the city, and we get there to find the plane being delayed 25 minutes. (laughs) Now the cool thing, that's great news. But what was even cooler is um, our Lily doesn't like it too much when I go away. And um, she'd been promised that she was going to come to the airport and see Dad off. And she wasn't going to get that privilege. But unbeknown to me, Danny was already coming to the airport with the girls. And so we we're going to go, let's see if we can make this happen. And so we get to have about half an hour with my girls before I say goodbye to them. So, you know, as a child of his, he does really look after his own and blesses beyond measure when we serve and honour him and do things his way. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to go two hours tonight. <laughs> But who knows? Um, Because trying to get this out, it's just, I'm captivated by him. I'm captivated by the depth of who he is and his purposes for us as children. You know, like we sung the song, he parted the waves that they could enter into life. He tore the veil that you and I would not be hindered no longer by ourselves, that In Christ and in Christ's strength and in his power, it's fully possible for us to experience the greatest measure of life, the eternal life, which is Christ. He is the eternal life now, today. And you and I have been bought with a price for a heavenly, eternal reality. You know, he says, lift up your eyes off the earth. Set your minds on the things above. No longer having your minds on the earth and see beyond the earth to see what is in the heavenlies that you would live differently on the earth. It truly is. It's a heavenly upward call, but it empowers the way we live now. And Part of tonight, and I sort of touched on it last week, we looked at the framework that God gives for the building work, this building work. He wants to build you and I because we are the church. So just like this building took time to build, it started with a foundation. Then he added walls and beams and supports and pictures and framework. This is what you and I are to be like. We are building in process. We're a house that's being built. It's a glorious house that's being built. So we have pillars of joy and pillars of love and pillars of grace and pillars of kindness, faithfulness, because these are the support structures that God builds into us because Christ is being formed in us, and it is for an eternal reality. And so the apostle, the apostolic gift, one of its main purposes, and we're going to look at this in the notes, is to bring into the earth, from heaven to earth, this reality of a heavenly call because it's been revealed it. You cannot receive anything that is not from heaven. You can't come up with it. You receive it. And so the apostle Jesus Christ came to earth to declare it. He then calls other people, men and women, with an apostolic call to keep declaring the same message that he brought. See, it's one and the same message. It's not two messages. It's one message throughout the entire word. It's the same message. So the message that Abraham got is the message that we're getting. Yes, they lived in different time slots, but it's the same message. That's trippy, eh? Isaiah saw Christ before Christ ever was, but he was, because he was with God in the beginning. And he says, by his stripes, you are healed. Not you're going to be healed. You are healed. Why? Because he could see. So he saw what was in the future, but it was now. He looked into the invisible realm through the eyes of the Spirit, saw it, spoke it as it was. Not what's coming, what was, even though Christ was coming. I hope you can hear the clarity of what I just said, because it can be very confusing if you can't. You said it was, then you said it wasn't. It wasn't, then it was. You see why we need ears to hear the true word. Not just English words coming out of my mouth, but what I'm really saying behind the English words. Powerful, powerful reality. So let's open up our notes and let's get into this. Um, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, God has put eternity into the hearts of man. Wow. Every person, Every single person God has put into the heart of man this eternity, this, this knowing, this sense of I'm born for more than just. Every person. Why do you think people go looking for something to worship? Why do you think they have a desire to find answers beyond their own life? Because they know instinctively there's more to life than just life. They don't necessarily know what it is, where to find it, who it is in, but they know because God has put it there. Why would God put eternity in the heart of man? Because that's where man is going to find himself spending their eternity. Because this is just a temporary stay on earth. So right away before the inception of man, God puts that into man. So man would always look towards heaven. Set your mind on the things above, Colossians 1. Why? Because your life has been hidden in Christ. Do no longer look at the things of the earth. Get your eyes off the earth and onto me because you are to look down from heaven to earth, not be people from earth looking up to heaven. You're the people from heaven living on the earth, so you have sight and heart from heaven living on earth, not the other way around. You're no longer human. You're more than human. You're citizens of heaven. You're ambassadors from another realm, another reality. You started in the flesh and you started as mere human earthly beings, but no longer you are heavenly because you have heaven living in you. So think like heaven, see like heaven, hear like heaven, act like heaven. No longer slaves. I'm no longer slave to the flesh. I'm no longer a slave to the enemy's schemes. Why? Because I've been set free. I'm a child of God. And I'm a growing child of God, so I'm maturing, so I come to know who I am, my father, my father's ways. Why? Because eternity has been placed in my heart and I'm going after what is innately in me. Powerful, isn't it? It's there to shake in you and stop you being shackled to the earth and anchored to the earth and anchored into other people, anchored into jobs and money. God does everything he needs us to come into, so he places it. So eternity has been placed in your heart. So then we have to discover the fulfillment of what that eternal plan is, because it's for us. To live your life and not understand you were called for eternity would be a crying shame to one day wake up and realize it. To wake up and go, what just happened? I wasted 80 years of my life surviving and this was for me? The inheritance was for little old Greg Simnor and Greg Scully. Yes. Unbelievable. So God sends apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. I love what Paul said to me this morning. I'd never seen it like this. This was cool. Who was with Jesus at the Mount Transfiguration? Elijah and who else? Elijah was a what? What was Moses? Apostle. He's a type of Christ. The apostle and the prophet turn up, speaking a heavenly realm, heavenly reality. Apostles speak from heaven. They see from heaven and speak it into the earth. Why? So the church can follow behind the apostle and the prophet and be apostolic and prophetic in heart and nature. God has graced the apostle and the prophetic gifts to bring this reality into the earth. doesn't mean that other people can't get it as well. I'm not saying that, but they are grace. We look at that last week. To set into flame the eternity that awaits that's now. The eternity is now. It's not the future. It's now. It's to receive the fullness now and live accordance to sight of the eternal. So with that in mind, in your notes, one of the major functions of the apostle, major functions of the apostle, which we looked at last week, is a gift from God. Is that they have been sent by God. Sent by God. It's not a good idea. You don't choose to be one of these giftings. Who was here this morning? Okay? You know what I read out about the apostle? They get smashed from pillar to post. Do you want to be that one? See, if you're not graced to be smashed from pillar to post, get out. Because God graces everything he gives. Why? So no one can take credit. (laughs) You can't take credit. You can't sit there and go, look at me. Because he knows he's graced you for that function. So with everything that's given, much is expected. So be careful what you ask for and what you want to be, because i tell you right now, you don't want to be what you think you want to be. You don't want to be it unless you're graced for it. It will kill you, eat you up, burn you, and spit you out. And that's just the church. Isn't that what happened to Jesus? Anyway, so one of the most major functions of the apostle, I'm glad we can laugh, is that they have been sent by God to continue to declare God's end. One of the major functions of the apostle is that they have been sent by God to continue to declare God's end his conclusion for the church. So she is being built in accordance to it. You can't be built if you've never heard the message. Go and preach to the ends of the earth the message, the message of hope, the message of the promise. How can they hear unless someone goes and so he sends people with a calling, with an anointing, with a gracing to bring something to light. Okay, is that clear? All right, so what is this message? And I've just given you about five scriptures, and I'm not going to read them all just for time, but go and read them. What is this eternal perspective? These scriptures are just five. There's way more. They tell you what it is. So the first one is Ephesians. God gives you a physical typology of something that's spiritual. It's called a marriage covenant. Do you know the end ends in a marriage? The purpose is a marriage. It's not works first. God didn't create you so you could run around doing things for him. He doesn't need your help. We don't need to give him a hand. Think about it. I didn't marry Danielle for works. I married her to spend my life with her. And out of that comes things that we do. But I didn't marry her for that. God never created you and I for works. You see, that's our problem. We're so fleshly. We think, oh, by my works, I'll please him. He says, come to know me. Spend time with me. So the end is a marriage, but you've got to get this revealed. It's not enough if you just have a mental understanding. Trust me, it's not enough. It won't do anything. It's got to be a living conviction. The Holy Spirit literally has to pull down the scale so you can see it, receive it, and go... "Ah." And then turn and start living in accordance because you've realized the whole thing is about a marriage covenant. And he says this at the end of that after going through all those words this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. The mystery is great, guys. It's not a simple thing in the sense of it's great, it's powerful, it's a mystery. You cannot lead yourselves into the mysteries. So the Holy Spirit has to reveal the mystery. It no longer is a mystery. It's a known fact. And when that happens, guess what happens? When he reveals any truth, power comes into you to live out the truth. So all of a sudden, if there's stuff in your heart, it comes flying out, and he comes in, and now you find yourself not loving a child or a parent or a grandparent, or a wife more than him. Why? Because the revelation of his word has come in and set you free from that idol. Are you tracking with me? This is how powerful we go. How is that ever going to happen? There's no way I could love God more than this child. No, you can't. But when you receive the word of God through revelation, you better what happens. You can, because all things are possible. So the thing that you look at that you think is impossible, it is with you, but it's fully possible with him. This beautiful child that was created through intimacy. They look like you, they sound like you, but they're not yours, they're his. And you have to be set free from them, whoever it is, whatever it is. And so the power of revelation comes and God says, guys, I created you for a marriage with me. Not with your husband, not with your wife, with me. Me first. I will not share my glory with anyone. It's me first. The whole story from start to finish to end to back is about a marriage covenant. It's about a promise, not a problem, you bunch of heathens and sinners. It's about a promise, you beautiful, cherished, beloved ones. Before beginning of time, you are holy and blameless. Before the foundations of the earth, I created you for this purpose. But eh, there was a little problem, but I fixed it. It was a little problem. We've blown it up out of proportion. We've taken the problem and gone boom, and taken the promise and gone eek. Eh. It's like we take his word, this beautiful word, and we go eek, eh. and everyone's trying to nibble on crumbs. We're so back to front. So God has to send apostolic prophetic ministry. To start again at times because we've gone so lost and off course to redirect the church back to her original design. <laughs> Look at the next one Jeremiah 31 31 to 34. Yes, it's in the Old Testament, which isn't really old, it's all living look in the middle my covenant which they broke although I was a husband to them declares the Lord but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord I will put my law within them on their heart and I will write it and they will be. The, I will be their God and they shall be my people he's talking to us all every single one of you he's talking to here it's you and I Everyone that has been chosen before the beginning of time, he's talking to. So he's talking to everyone. You have to see it in the spirit, not seeing everything in the flesh. We see two, it's one. We always see things in twos and threes when it's one. Jesus, Father, Spirit. How many gods are there? No, there's three. I just told you there's three. No, there's one. Can you see the one? But we see in twos. We do that and that. We go spirit and truth. That's what the Bible says. Yeah, I know, but it's the spirit of truth. Spirit is the word. Word is the spirit. Word is the truth. Truth is Jesus. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the spirit. <laughs> Say that again. I pray that you would be, what, three, four, ten, one. 'Cause I'm looking for one her, my people, always been my people from the beginning of time. These people just came under a old covenant, which is really not an old covenant, by the way. But it is. What? <laughs> and then Jesus comes and restores everything, which is a new covenant, but it's already spoken before he was. What? You're messing with my head, your head'll hurt if you try and understand this thing in the mind, intellectually, in the flesh. Trust me, it'll hurt. You have to receive it and hear what I'm really saying, what God's saying. It's powerful when you hear the word, not words, the word, Jesus' version of himself. It births faith, the Bible says. What is faith? The evidence of knowing what's unseen. You have a knowledge, a confidence of something that is unseen, but it's seen to you. You're eating the stuff. You're eating a hamburger, you're eating KFC, you're eating food from the unseen. Jeremy said to me, where do you get your water from, man? Years ago, where are you getting your water? I want to get where you're getting your water from, because I ain't getting your water. I said, come follow me, let's walk together and let's talk. So where do you get your water from? What well? Jacob's or Christ? The man-made, built well, or the well? This is what the apostle does. She does. They come down and they scare everybody with the reality. Not because they're smart, because they've been brought into it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? To bring it to the church because it's for the church. We're called to be apostolic in heart and mind. It's powerful. It's an overcoming church. It doesn't... Move back, it just knows forward. It's one gear, forward. It's exciting. This is what he's building here. It takes time. It takes time like any good thing to mature. It takes time. A wine takes time. You see, you get the gift, but you don't get the fruit for free. If you can hear what I'm saying. The gift is given, but the fruit of the Spirit is matured over time. (laughs) He's dangerous, God, because he gives these gifts without maturity. Because he believes in us so much that we're going to do it his way. See, he's the full God. I wouldn't do it like that. I wouldn't do it like that. Why would you give gifts to immature kids? You know what happens when you give gifts to immature kids? Let's burn them. See, love hadn't been established in their hearts yet, so let's torch them, man. They're not giving us what we want. Let's torch them. Jesus is like, oh, man, there is a lot of work to be done here. But he knows the Spirit's coming to do a work in the church, not in a building, in you and I. And he sent the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago to build the church then he sends gifts to be partner with the Spirit, to build the church. Into what? An apostolic, prophetic, teacher, pastor, evangelistical church. Himself. The great mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not just a nice saying that we rattle off. The literal reality of the life of Jesus Christ being formed in you and I, that we live from that life, the eternal life. Can you hear that at least intellectually? If you can grasp what I just said, man, <laughs> you'll run for it with everything you got. Do you know that's what he's expecting? See, when you read this, There's a reality that screams, that grabs you. Is love being perfected in us, like 1 John 2 verse 5 says, because we keep the commandment? He says, you'll know the way they abide in me because love, my love, is perfected in them. What did he say? Be perfect like my heavenly Father's perfect. Well, the Father's love. So if love is being perfected in you, what have you got in you? Christ. In you the hope of glory. Not just this, oh yeah, I received the love of the Father and I live as I always lived. Or if I'm reviled against, I revile back. I'm talking about a love that's not of this earth. It's Christ in you and I, the hope of glory that's able to love on offense. When it is persecuted, it loves on what's persecuting the enemy. It demonstrates the kingdom reality. Can you hear the enormity of the reality that I'm talking about? This was for you and I. This is not mere little men, infant stuff. This is PhD stuff, plus, 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 plus. And none of us can enter into it through our ability. Only him. And yet he promises us, so he sends... Apostles and prophets, primarily these giftings, to declare the purposes of God, for it is an eternal one, firstly, to have you living like that on the earth. It's glorious. It's radiant. It's so captivating. It will loosen you off you and into him and him and you. Woo, that was a mouthful. <laughs> Genesis 2, man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. 2 Corinthians 11, 1-4. Guys, this one, Paul again is screaming something. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. He's saying I'm about to t- tell you something that you're not going to get or you're about to think I'm a nut job. So please bear with me at what I'm about to say, okay? I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband. Betrothed you. Jewish custom, if you're betrothed, you're married. We have engagement. It's different. Okay, They have the ceremony. Ours is when we get married, it's official. When you're betrothed to Christ in Jewish custom, you're married to Christ. Already married. So you're married to him. Are you living married to Christ? Or do you have other people, things in your lives, hearts? He tells you, don't be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how he finishes. Because you've been led astray. He wants to present you, what? As a pure virgin that has never been with the world. Can you hear the call from the beginning? It's the same of Ephesians. You were destined for a marriage. I betrothed you. I washed you in my blood. Why do you still have other lives, idols in your heart? Why are you loving things more than me? You're not worthy of me if you love them more than me. Unless you hate a father, a mother, a brother, you're not worthy of me. Can you hear what he's saying? Please tell me you can because it's massive. You've got to hear it. Because it's going to shake you out of apathy if you're in apathy. He's telling you his reality. But it's hard to see it until your eyes get open. So he sends apostles and prophets to declare his will, his purpose, in the hope that you'll hear and see what is being said. Because otherwise, it just looks like words on a page that looks too hard, impossible. Don't understand that. That's a bit rough. He expects me to love him more than my son. Yes. And he's going to come and do a work in your heart and your mind to align that work. If you would submit and surrender and start asking, seeking him with all your heart, yes, he will. It's his will too. Why? Because you were not created to have children. You were created to be his child, his bride first. It's never been about this earth first. But man, if we taught it. Go have a great marriage, have great kids, great job. Ten steps of this, ten steps of that, ten steps of this, ten steps of that. And the real purpose goes unnoticed by many. And he is awakening us to the real purpose, a heavenly purpose. And so he better have to start, and he does start shaking your foundation. But if it's in Christ, he can't shake himself. So everything that's shaking is not Christ. If you're getting shaken, it ain't Christ because Christ is a foundation and you can't shake him. So he has to shake you for you to see if your conclusion is wrong, your foundation is probably wrong. If the end point isn't right, you're probably not living for it, which means you may have started not in alignment to the end. So I have to send you people who have been on a journey, who can see the end because you can't see it, declare it in the hope you can hear it and then receive it and accept it as the word of God, not the word of man. Oh, that's scriptural one, Thessalonians two thirteen to 14. We did a whole series on it. Who can remember? Thanks, Tess. <sighs> it's been going out for eight years. I did an eight-part series on the Bride of Christ three or four years ago. Who heard it? Who received it? And then went, boom, boom. Life continues. So he sends crazy people, edgy people, people that come and they rub you like this. <laughs> What's that? Get off. Now I've been sent with a mission to declare the Father's way. Jesus was sent on a mission and then Jesus gives his gifts to the church. He sends them. With a mission to declare. Not because they're special, because he chose them for that function. Why? Don't ask me. Take it up with him. (laughs) So he gives us these scriptures, and Paul is going, Guys, I'm afraid that you may have been deceived in your minds from the true purpose. That's what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians eleven four. 4, he goes on, so that I may present you as a pure virgin. I've got a godly jealousy for you. It's a good jealousy. He longs to see the church come into what the church was birthed for. So he's going to fight the good fight, finish the race, declare it by faith, for the future is held and laid up for the church. He laid his life down for you and I to experience what he's writing the reality in which he writes from. He saw her, knew her, knew his part in it. He was passionate. Why do you think he laid his life down? No one's going to give up their life and be whipped five times, 39 times, and be shipwrecked and stoned to death for nothing. There better be something bigger than that. Isn't mine to be pitied more than life if he's only living for this life? See, the Bible is telling you this stuff to awaken you to a reality that's right in front of you called God. So then he sends crazy people, men and women, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists to declare the will of God. And he goes on, he says, man, I'm afraid that you guys, you Corinthians, the church, your minds may have been led astray from the simplicity and the purity of a devotion to Christ. An abandonment, a wholeheartedness, a complete falling in love. You've been led astray from your minds. You've believed other things. The mind is the battlefield, yes. Jesus comes to renew the mind, yes. Through the power of his word, yes. Can you hear what he's saying? And then he says this. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this Beautifully. It's the 10 steps to this and the 10 steps to that and the 5 steps to this and the 50 steps to that. It's happening in the last days. People will come and be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of this, lovers of that. When is the last days? Right now, started 2,000 years ago. They have a form of godliness, but they've got no, a form of godliness, but they've got no oomph, no power. Oh, it's about words. No, it's about power. They're always learning, but never coming into the true. But why? Because the true knowledge is going to be lived out. True knowledge is expressed through the evidence of true knowledge. Paul expressed his faith. He lived it. He didn't just write a book. He lived it. You and I are called to live it. Hey, Vera, just live it. That's the key word God gave Vera two years ago. Just live it, girl. It's hard. It's hard if you're trying to live it. (laughs) This is what his word does, guys. His word will set you free from you. It's hard if you're trying to come into it. You can't. You've got to realize you're defeated You are defeated. When you're defeated, you wave the white flag and you surrender. When you're not defeated, no white flag, you still fight. (laughs) That's not why you're not in it. Because you haven't yet surrendered. You don't realize you're defeated. Isaiah saw how defeated he was. Oh, my goodness, I'm a man of unclean lips. Oh. Then God says, that's okay. I'm glad you have seen your true state. Now, here's who I'm calling you to be. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Cool, let's go. And then what did Isaiah do? Saw Jesus and preaches Jesus in the future. Because God opens his eyes because he washed his mouth and he washed his eyes, and now I can see. See, apostles and prophets bring this reality with them. Once again, not because they're special, not because they're gifted, not because they figured it out, because they have been received a gracing from heaven to speak a reality into the earth which is not earthly it's not temporal it is eternal powerful and real and it unhinges everybody that's attached redirects them and sends them to the earth to proclaim the same message because the message is one who man revelation 197 and m 7 and m 7 a.m. <laughs> I'm not a man of persuasive words. <laughs> marriage of the Lamb, Revelation nineteen seven to 9. Let us rejoice. Got an amen. Let us be rejoicing glad and give glory to God for the marriage of the Lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready. She was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Ladies, who's married? How long did it take you to get ready? From the day he asked, yeah, from the day he asked, you were preparing. Could have been five years. I said, Devana, how long was it when you got asked? When you asked Sukhphadi to marry, five years. I said, you were preparing for five years till the day it happened, making yourself ready. Do you know when you received him? Is when you said thank you for the invitation. I now make myself ready. What for? For a wedding. Are you making yourself ready? Is he marrying a mature or an immature church? See, one that's ready is mature. One that's not ready gets caught not being ready. I'm coming like a thief in the night. They will be marrying Eating, drinking, partying. I will turn up and they will not even be aware of it. Are you ready? Not about when, but why. Don't try and figure it all out, dates and times. Get ready. Book your nails. Book your hair. (laughs) Book your dress. Book your venue. Everyone's clamoring for stuff. Be ready. Why? Because the eternal purpose is a marriage. You don't want to get there and find you ran out of oil. Oops, sorry, who are you? Yes, you're in the kingdom, but you're not coming into the chamber where it's intimate. My children aren't allowed in a certain room in the house when mum and dad are being Intimate. Think spiritual, otherwise you'll lose it. It's a beautiful thing, but it's not for children. It's for adults. Can you hear the typology? I'm sorry, you weren't ready. I laid it down. I spoke. I sent you. I sent you. I sent you. I sent you. You kept asking, so I sent you, and I sent you again. Some of them were killed. So what are we doing with what we're hearing? I know it's radically changed me. I hope it's changing you. So under that, in other words, the apostle is to declare the eternal purpose for the church. In other words, the apostle is to declare the eternal purpose for the church. And work to ensure God's blueprint for building the church is in place. The fivefold ministry gifts. So I'll read it out as one sentence. In other words, the apostle is to declare the eternal purpose for the church and work to ensure God's blueprint for building the church is in place. The fivefold ministry gifts. That's what God is establishing here. That's what he showed me eight years ago and it's been putting in place through prayer and then watching God raise people up in these giftings and then they minister out of the gifting. He builds the church. So when the gift turns up and starts speaking from a revealed place, the power of that goes out and those who have ears to hear it and heart to receive it who do through the power of God start being built. In the Spirit, He does the work. Can you hear that? See, we go, how does it happen? I don't know, He does it. (laughs) I know my part. And then I step back and then I watch to see if the church actually wants to be built. Because you have to be able to hear the Word that builds you. You have to accept it, not as the Word of man. So what I'm saying tonight, are you going to accept it as God or Greg? Because that's going to determine what happens. You have to receive it with humility, the word that can save your soul, implant it into your soul. Who do you think you are? A nobody. Don't sound like it. That's up to you to discern. Same with anyone else in these giftings. The Bible says a prophet has no honour in his own household, which means his physical family first, or his spiritual family, until their eyes see. Oh, gee, that sounds like Jesus and his family. Here's the prophecy about the boy. Ooh, yeah, this is cool, until a bit where it says from um, the Simeon, the prophet, he said, oh, yeah, by the way, this boy, he's going to pierce your heart too. Luke 2, don't like that. Doesn't matter, it's going to happen. Did it happen? Did the prophecy come to fruition? Why? Because if you hear it through the flesh, you'll hear the wrong thing. But if you hear it through the Spirit, you hear the right thing, and you'll be captivated by God. And so he's looking to see if there are hearts that are fertile, hungry, thirsty for the seed that's going out. Because if your heart is rocky, hard, Nothing happens. Or you get excited for a while. You run down the road, but what happens? Oh, that looks pretty good. What's that? All of a sudden, you're entangled in other things. The promise is lost because you got entangled in wealth, worries of life. It was good for a while, got all excited for all of about three weeks, and then I started to doubt whether that was even real. There are three environments, and only one receives the word that births life. It's about a heart position. So is the heart soft, thirsty for water, asking, seeking, knocking? So it takes the seed, which has contained all the power in the seed, and the seed goes into the soil because there's power in the seed. goes in. Boom. Paul planted, Apollos watered, God grew the seed. God builds his church. It's powerful stuff. God promises, he delivers on what he builds. We've got to allow ourselves to be confronted with the truth, okay? Without fear. You've got to allow yourself to be confronted with the truth, knowing that you're a son of God, knowing you're a child of God. It's okay, I teach my girls, I say it's okay that you don't know this particular maths equation yet. It's okay that you don't know it. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Some of us need to hear it's okay to not be where he wants you to be. It's okay. He wants to lead you there by the hand. He's put people around you and in your life to help you. It's okay. But what we hear is the negative. We hear the lack. We hear I'm not good enough. Are you telling me I'm this? No, I'm not saying that at all. And God's not either. He's telling you I love you and it's okay, but grow. Why? Because I called you for an eternal purpose. And at the end of that, I've got to be true to me. And there's a judgment coming. I can't flick you a Swifty at the judgment seat and give you a grace card. You got that when I invited you into my life. But this is about a prize. I've got to be true to me because I'm not a liar so I'm going to judge you for rewards and if you haven't lived the life that I was asking you to grow up into, I'm sorry but you can't have the reward. There's going to be loss. And we don't like that message because we just like the lovey-dovey messages but it's part of the word of God. God is a long-suffering God. He's a disciplining God and He says it's time to grow up. So I need to give you a disciplining word to help you realize it's time to grow and mature Why? Because I want you to sit with me on my throne in eternity, not to bag you down, not to give you a hard time, not to punish you, to edify you. He has everything for us. He's He's not against us. But you can hear that he's against you. You can hear that Greg's against you. But if you hear accurately, this is for all of us. So he sends these apostles and prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. The church, God's people, you and I, have been created. The church, God's people, you and I, have been created for an eternal purpose, a heavenly purpose, firstly. And when I say the church, you and I, you're not the church on your own. I mean we, okay? So you're not the church as an individual. The church is the body, okay? You're a house and you're a disciple, but you're not the church. So I'm not the church on my own. We are the church, okay? So Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. I love this. Remember the former things long past. Oh, sorry, I'll read that. The church, God's people, you and I, have been created for an eternal purpose, a heavenly purpose. If you want a scripture next to that, it's Hebrews 3.11. Isaiah 46, 9-10. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times things have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish All my good pleasure. He is the God who declares the end from the beginning. End. First. You're an author of a book. You start at the end. Do you know the end? The movie makers know the end before they make the movie. Do writers know the end before they start writing? Does the end give life to the beginning? Does the beginning then shape in an alignment to the end? So God is the God of the end. Then he writes the beginning. Before the foundations of the world, I chose you. The end. If we don't know God's conclusion, the end, there's a good chance the beginning, the foundation, can be off-center. Now here's the deal. None of us started knowing the end. The disciples didn't start knowing the end. They barely knew him. Never mind the end. Hence, you've got to get to know him, and through him, the end is revealed. Aren't all the hidden mysteries and treasures, Colossians 2, in Christ? So on the revelation of the Christ, I'm going to build my church, and my church will know the end from the beginning. Isaiah saw Christ and declared it before it ever was. Faith is the ability to see what already is, tap into it, live from it now. It's awesome. It's already done. See, we spend so much time trying to figure out how to do it. You just have to see it, hear it, receive it by the power of the Spirit, which you can't do, the power of the Spirit, and then live. It's the completely different operating system to your flesh of what you've known because everything else is the opposite. If you want to figure out how to be a nurse, go to nurse school, figure it out. If you want to be an accountant, go to an accountant. If you want to be an ASB manager, go there. If you want to be a footballer, do that. If you want to do this, go figure out how to do it, do it because you can do it because Nike said so. <laughs> well, Nike didn't know much because in the kingdom you can't do it. You've got no chance of doing it. So you can't just take the fleshly motto and just go do it. Because when you just do it, you end up in the wrong place. But you don't realize it because you've taught yourself, there's a way that seems right to me, but all of a sudden I'm not in the life that I read about. So there's a problem. Yeah, I'll give you why, because actually we started at the wrong place. We started at the beginning and not the end. Because the end defines the beginning. So what does he do? He sends you apostles and prophets to go, Oh, stop the bus. We're going the wrong way. And because we're going the wrong way, we're living the wrong way. And we're eating the wrong food. That diet ain't going to get that outcome. If you keep eating burgers, you ain't going to look like Arnold. I don't believe that. I'm going to keep eating burgers. Well, go on then, and you won't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You'll look like someone else. You'll be big. But not like Arnold. You see, end has a diet. A specific diet is required if you want to be with him in the fulfillment at the end. It's called the bread of life. Jesus Christ, the word of God. The word that builds and the word that blesses. But we need to hear the word that builds because the church is very familiar with the word that blesses, but the word that builds us, Woo! So God sends you apostles and prophets to build you. Isn't that the point of Ephesians, what we looked at? I send you these gifts to build the church. But there's massive opposition called pride to that, and it gets in the way of the true building, because why? Because a prophet has no honor in his own town. Why? Because they couldn't see or hear who he was. You're just the carpenter. You're just my brother. We went to school together, made some things, got in trouble, and now you're telling me you're the Messiah, and now you read out Isaiah, you're a joke. We do the same thing. Don't think you don't do this. I do it. You do it. And it happens all the time. And most of the time, you don't even know you're doing it. You're all, I don't do that. I don't do that. No, I don't. We all do it. We're all in this together. He's good. And you know, it's just under the scriptures. If God declares the end from the beginning, then we need to know the end from the beginning. If God declares the end from the beginning, then we need to know the end from the beginning. God starts everything with the end in mind. This is going to take off if it hasn't already. <laughs> you know, one of the cool things about going overseas is you can't in a week get into their time slot. So I'm going to bed at 8.30, waking up at 3, rearing a go. But you can't go anywhere because everyone's asleep. He says, start praying, worship. So I start praying, worship, put my headphones on, got my thing going, singing in the room, pitch black. Oh, Jesus. If you'd seen it, you'd laugh. Da, na, 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 na. Whoop, whoop. No, whoop, whoop. <laughs> then he starts to speak. I'm like, man, Cambodia was cool because he spoke powerfully to me. It was awesome going, meeting the guys again, training the guys, but what was the highlight was God speaking to me at three o'clock and four o'clock for three mornings and just starting to share stuff I knew. He goes, Greg, the end, the end, the end, the end, from the beginning, from the beginning, from the beginning. He says this, who was with me? Who was with me when I declared the end before the foundations of the world? Who was with me? Your son. Who else? Your spirit. So before anything began, they're with me and I'm talking with them and I'm sharing my heart and my will and my purpose for them. Then I give the commission be sent. And declare those things that you knew before anything happened. The end before the beginning. You see, when Jesus said, come follow me, he knew exactly where he was leading the church. He knew exactly where he was leading her, and it wasn't just to the cross. It was beyond, beyond the cross. So he knows the end because he was with the father before it ever began. And he father tells him, so then when he comes, come follow me, boys. The boys haven't got a clue where they're going, but he does. Aren't you grateful that someone's got sight? Otherwise, it's the blind leading the blind. So God does not lead the blind leading the blind on their own. God sends churches gifts so the church can see where it's going, so it doesn't fall down pit holes, so it doesn't go to the left, to the right. But if you don't receive the gift, then you can be anti the gift and walk away. But Jesus had sight, so he says, right, son, you're going. There's been all these prophets before you, types of apostles, you're going. Why? Because they killed them. Not that good in God's calendar when you start killing the people he sends. (laughs) So he sends the son, and the son says, come follow me, boys, we're on a mission. What's the first miracle he does? Woo! Come on! Where is he? Why? Because he's pointing towards something. It's not just at a wedding for the sake of being at a wedding. I don't know. We'd come up with another scheme, could have been somewhere. No, he's at a wedding with wine. Ooh, that's a swear word. Turns a whole lot of water to wine. Why? Because he's a What did he say? You will not have this fruit of the vine until we meet where? In my kingdom. When you take communion, you are taking, it's a part of the bridal covenant. There were actually four cups of wine, not one. But we've come through to call, the. Catholicism, where we talk about one, there were four, and one of them was attached to the bridal covenant. So when they took that, they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew they were called. Why? Because Jesus was talking to them about the future, going, it's not about just being lost, boys. It's about a marriage covenant. See, we've lost this stuff in modern day preaching. Why? Because we're seeker sensitive. We're trying to bring people to the church, and we've killed the very thing God gave called the truth. Because we think people can't handle the truth. You're right, they can't. And so we dumb everything down and we lead ourselves astray. And yet this speaks of a reality, and God opens our eyes, we start to see it, eat it, live from it, and all of a sudden what's promised becomes your reality. I'm alive. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. He who comes to me will never be hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. Why? Because they're eating and drinking from the eternal well. It's a full food of plate, and it never goes away. It's amazing. You just eat chicken after chicken after chicken after chicken. You just eat it, and it comes back. How does that happen? I don't know, but it does, so keep eating. The layers, the depths of his word that sets us free is phenomenal. And so he says, my spirit and my son were with me, so I send them to lead you. So then when Jesus goes, the Holy Spirit comes. He knows exactly where he's leading the church into all the truth because he was at the beginning before the end, and he defined the end, so he's leading with a purpose. Jesus would only do what his father did. He would only speak what his father gave him. Why? Because he knew the end, because the father knew the end, so he knew the father's will, and the Holy Spirit's the same. Who builds the church? Christ, the Spirit of God. Why? Because he's the only one that knows the truth. You cannot know the mind of God without the mind of God. This is what the Scriptures are declaring, and yet we go, "Oh, well, I don't know, we'll try and figure out how we get to know him. No. So there is this eternal purpose. I love that when he showed me that. It's so simple, isn't it? But he just showed (laughs) me... You should have seen, it. I was like woo hoo I was doing the whoop, whoop 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 in the room. I'm so glad the cleaning lady never came in, it would have looked really weird and my headphones on and whoop whoop boop. I couldn't stop writing. I got fingers were sore from the little button in the light, you know, trying to see and climbing like, oh man. Maybe there's a bit of wisdom. I'm mean, not at three in the morning when you're trying to acclimatize and it's like, oh, you know, it's like, <laughs> anyway. <sighs> Where am I up to? God starts everything with an end in mind. Yeah, before the foundation of the world, God had already established. Before the foundation of the world, God had already established and set in place the end. God starts everything with the end in mind before the foundation of the world God had already established and set in place the end. Doesn't the Bible say that all your boundaries are already defined and where you would live in Psalms, what earth, what country you would live in, where you would be, why? So you would seek the Lord. See, that's hard for us to get because we go, "Whoa, where's my choice in that? Great question, you've got one. And if you know his way, you'll know what that makes perfect sense. Born again into my mother's tummy? How does that happen? Figure it out. Giving you the Holy Spirit? Go figure it out. I'm not going to give you the answer. Go figure it out. The Bible is very clear. He doesn't make mistakes. He tells you from the end. Before the foundations of the world, you were called to be holy and blameless. I'll give you this one, Ephesians 1 verse 4. Spotless bride. Isn't that what he's looking for? Okay. The foundation of the world started with its anchor and alignment in God's conclusion. The foundation of the world started with its anchor and alignment in God's conclusion. Everything God has written is in context with the end. It is written, finished, finito. Can you see why that's a different kind of faith now that sees what is? You see, you don't have to do anything. You have to see what is being done. And then when you see what's been done through the ability of the Spirit, blessed are you for you see and blessed are you for you hear. Isn't that what he said in Matthew to the disciples? But then on the next chapter, he says, guys, can you still not hear and can you still not see? (laughs) He says, how long have I been with you and you still don't know who I am? Because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. To which Philip goes, show us the Father. To which Jesus says, how long have I been with you and you still don't know me? See, he is always believing in you and I, speaking prophecy over our lives, drawing us into himself. He says to Peter, you're going to deny me, to which the Peter says, no, I'm not. And then it happened. At the same time, he's saying, but you're going to be Peter who I build upon. So he says, you can hear. And then he says, why can't you hear me? You can see, but you are blurred vision. You see, it's the role of the Spirit of God to reveal the mysteries of that are right in front of you. Things are concealed, not from you, for you. Why would God conceal stuff? Pardon? So you'd seek him. God has put eternity in the hearts of man. Why? So you'd seek him. God has placed you in a particular time in history, in a particular country, and surrounded you with boundaries. Why? So you would seek him. Are you a seeker of God? See, he rewards those who diligently seek him, doesn't he? Hebrews 6. If you are seek and knock, I'll give it to you. Why? Because I've got a whole inheritance that I want to share with you. Why? Because I've called you to be my bride, my co-heir, and you're to stand right beside my son. This is not some little piddly message about, please hear me, getting cleansed of your sin. We have messed that up so much and made that the micro, that you're a sinner, and if you don't get washed, you're going to hell. Is that true? Yes. Is that the message of Jesus, the main message? No. Otherwise, he would have told you. But he tells you the main message is to love me. Why do you think he's looking for those who truly love him back? Because he wants to marry them. And he will not share his glory with another So you can't have it both ways. I'm sorry to tell you, but you can't have your cake and eat it with the cherry and the cream and the cup of tea and go back for seconds. You can if you do it His way. If you will surrender and allow, He will give you and has given us the kingdom, the unlimited resource of His Son. But if you try and come in another way around the narrow gate if you try and get into the pen some other way because you don't like the way, I can do this. Go on then. Give it a go. He'll let you go. You want a king? Don't want you to have a king. I want a king. I don't want you to have a king. Give us a king. Okay. I'll give you Saul. He steps back. I wonder how long it will take them to start crying out to me. Isn't that the story? We want our way. Yeah. They like our way. We want our way. Yeah. And God's like rescuing them over and over. And over. why? Because he loves us. He's hoping his love is going to lead us into submission. He's hoping his love will break your flesh and lead you into surrender. He's going to love you into surrender. Let go and let God And all of a sudden, you're in a life, because why? Because there's an eternal call on your life, and you realize, man, I was called for so much more than here. So he sends these people gifts to help you. Not to be against you, but to help build his church. But there is opposition. Do you really think the enemy wants this church built? We looked last week at the fruit, didn't we, of the church? Oneness in faith, oneness in knowledge, mature man, the bride of Christ. Do you really think that the enemy wants people loving like Jesus on the earth who can? Do you really think he wants the church who don't even know what defensive looks like because all they know is offensive because the gates of Hades do not overpower the church of Jesus Christ? Do you really think the enemy wants that built? Who's going to judge him? The bride of Christ. Why do you think he's so against the bride of Christ? But here's the thing. He's got no authority. He has none. He's powerful, but he's got no authority. Who has the authority? See, there is no war. If you know who you really are, you tell him to get back in his place. Isn't that what Jesus modeled? It says, stand firm, resist the enemy. It doesn't say stand firm and fight him. It says, stand firm and resist his lies. Because he has no game. You're the one with the game. Supposed to. So what we do is we get all entangled in stuff. But if we know who we really are and what we're called for and the food source that we need and we start eating that, when he turns up, we laugh. But like Smith Wigglesworth would do when he'd come to the end of his bed, he'd just laugh and say, Oh, you again. See ya bud. Go back to sleep. Why? Because the man was a man of faith. The man was a man of the unseen realm. He lived from the unseen realm, and look how God used him. But when you read his books, he wasn't into that stuff. He was into a relationship with the Father. He'll tell you himself, we get all hooked up in Wigglesworth's works, but he was into relationship. The works came out of relationship, but what do we do? Oh, the miracles, the miracles, the miracles, the miracles, and our flesh chases the miracles, but we don't chase the one of the miracle, so we don't see really that happen too much, and we wonder why while we're trying to chase miracles, we're burning out. See, when you are awakened to the reality that you were bought to fall in love, not to do works, not to save the planet, everything starts to shift. Trust me. There's only one reason why we're, and here I'm saying, the reason why the rock is where it is today, because God showed me something and I was leading. See, the reason we're having this meeting is because of the fruit of what he showed me. We wouldn't be having this. I wouldn't be teaching this stuff had he not taken me on a journey. It's in the book. If you haven't grabbed it and read it, please read it. It's describing the journey of the rock. So, if you're part of the rock and you're not reading it, are you really part of the rock? I say that out of love, but guys, God showed me at the start of the year. He said, "Greg, there are friends, guests, and sons in your house, my house. Friends, guests, and sons. I want everyone to be a son." You see, friends turn up and they come and go. Same with guests. Friends stay longer than guests. You can just come here, turn up, come and go, come and go, and not be part of this at all. You can come, be present, but not really be present and miss exactly what's happening because you don't hear what's happening. But you can be part of an organization, but it's not. It's called a church. See, we can tick our religious boxes and be part of institutions, but we can't be unless we're hearing and receiving is the church of Jesus Christ. So please, I haven't preached it. I felt him just to say, hold back on it. I want to show you. But don't be. If you are, transition. Get into sons. Don't be someone that uses this place for convenience or just you like this and be a guest or a visitor. Become a son of the house. Live and serve your brothers and sisters. Stop living for yourself, looking what you can get, and serve the Lord and his will here partner with him and one another who are on the journey and let him build you and me. There was only one, two people present in a room that were washing his feet. When Jesus was getting his feet washed by the woman, there were only two people present in that room in the spirit. And yet the room was full. But only two people knew what was really going on, the woman and Jesus. Everyone else was like, judging her? Judging him, thinking this is a waste. Don't be like that here. Don't be someone that's here but's not hearing. Seek and ask and knock. Because I'm telling you guys, God has sent me here to speak a reality. And other people, prophets, the eldership, the giftings are here to speak to declare the purposes of heaven. But you can miss them. If you're not intentional, they'll go by. What was that about? Oh, I don't know. He got a bit excited. It's food to be eaten. Um, oh, this is cool. In the middle of the page, God is the author And perfecter of our faith. God is the author and perfecter of our faith. So, like any author, God starts with the end in mind, and then He, God, perfects us with this end and purpose. So can you hear that? God, the author and the perfecter of our faith, once again, know what faith is. So like any author, God starts with the end in mind and then he, God, perfects us with the end purpose in mind. He's building his church with the end goal in mind. Bird's eye view <clears throat> on the back. Do you long to see from an eternal perspective? Why? Because God is building the church here in an alignment to the end. Perfect. Oh, Matthew 5. Be perfect like my heavenly Father is perfect. It's impossible to be perfect. No it's not, otherwise he wouldn't say be perfect like my heavenly father is perfect because God is not a liar. So if I say it's not, I'm the liar. Well no liars enter the kingdom of God. So there's a problem again. So God is building, perfecting us in an alignment because he's the author and he writes the end from the beginning. So do you know the end? Do you have a revealed position because that's why he's building you? See, it's very hard. If you don't know why, then it's very hard to enter into the process. That's why you have to know the why he builds his church. Why? Because he's building you for a marriage in eternity, which is now, because you can live as the bride now. Because why? Because he's transforming. He's making you perfect. Do you know what the word means? Mature. It's possible, because he says it is. So what? The author writes the end. He's building you in accordance to the end. You need to know the end. It's in the book. I've taught you tonight. The apostle is sent, the prophet is sent to proclaim more than just the end, but the end. Do you want more? We got you going for two hours. (laughs) The ladies at the front are hungry. How about this one? Ephesians two ten. We are his workmanship. We are his workmanship being made for good works that are already prepared. So we are his workmanship, we are the process, we are the clay, aren't we? He is the potter, who's the clay? We are, so we're his workmanship, he's working his life in us. What for? So as he works his work in you, there are works, spirit-led works, that he wants you to accomplish by faith. Isn't that the Fine linen garment are the righteous acts of the saints that I read in Revelation. See, it all fits together. It's one big story scattered throughout the entire book to grab your attention as you read the whole book. Not just the bits you like or the bits that I like, but the bits that I don't understand. And I'm going to ask him to reveal what I don't understand. And I'm going to walk with others in discipleship and ask them what I don't understand and hope that they've got revelation and can help me come into what I was called for. Powerful. It's the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. What do you think he was looking at? For the joy set before him, he went through. He saw the end. And went, you're worth it. If you were the only one, you'd be worth it. I want a whole world saved. And so for the joy set before Him. He went through, and yet He went through, guys, as a man. Some of us need to hear that. He went through the cross as a man to show you and I what's fully possible when a man is surrendered and empowered by the living Word Himself. He makes all things possible And we've justified that away and said, yeah, but he was Jesus and I'm not, so I can't. It's a lie. For you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. And Paul said, I strive according to the power that works within me. All things are fully possible and the invitation is, has gone out. So in the notes on page 6, I just asked some questions at the top of your notes. What is God's story really about? Oh, you want those bits? Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, Just come down to the bottom of page 5. I've sort of, sorry, I have preached it, so I just... (laughs) Uh, The last line, Jesus and the Holy Spirit were sent by God to lead God's people into the whole purposes of God. Jesus and the Holy Spirit were sent by God to lead God's people into the whole purposes of God, the entire purpose. So the questions I ask is, what is God's story really about? Where does God's story finish up? What is God's end conclusion? Because he is perfecting the church into it. The church needs to come to know God's conclusion. The end. So our foundation, what we are building upon, is an accurate one. The church, which is the body of Christ, you and I, God's people, not a building, needs to know God's conclusion, the end. So our foundation, what we are building upon, is an accurate one. So God sends his church, apostles and prophets, to declare this end picture. If we don't know the end then how do we run accurately? There's a great chance we will have a false start or even stop running because we think we have finished already. Yep. If we don't know the end, then how will we run accurately? There's a great chance we will have a false start or even stop running because we think we have finished already. Do you know that that is a reality that's happening? See, when you think it's just about reaching lost people, you stop pretty much. Because you go to find lost people that need to be saved. But God never said go find lost people. He said I seek and save lost people. You love me, love people, and I'll use you as light to attract lost people. This is so fine and yet in a living reality miles apart. That's where the deception is. Greg, are you saying you're not into lost people? I love lost people. I was one. But what I've come to realize is that God seeks and saves lost people. It's his purpose to reach the lost. I've been given the ministry of reconciliation, so I share with lost people, but it's not my job to save lost people. The purpose of God is to love God with all my heart, make sure there are no idols in my life, no other lovers, so I'm not committing spiritual adultery. So when I stand before him, and I've come in the right way. So I'm now doing righteous acts, faith works. I get a good reward. You see, God says, can you love people like me? You're running around trying to seek lost people. Can you love like me? Is the church known for love because it's love God, love people. See, loving people's hard. So we bypass it and we make it all about lost people but we don't really love them the way we're supposed to either because we don't love God because we've bypassed. <laughs> now, I'm not saying if you've come into that commandment, fill your boots and get out. You'll be loving people. You'll be in rest. You'll be in faith. You'll be in the truth. You won't be burning out, running around, oh, man, I'm lost, being rich, and lost people so tired. Jesus never lived like that, and he was into reaching lost people. See, what happens is the enemy is beautiful and our flesh, at switching the cards and you don't even see it. He's the master poker player. He shifts one on you. It's a sleight of hand. Whew. Ah, Because it's appealing to the flesh. We're going to go save some lost people. We're going to be heroes. <laughs> go be a hero for Jesus. We teach this stuff. We pump it out. And there's a yes. And there's a no. Jesus was a servant. He wasn't a hero. But we sing songs, he's my superhero. So yes, he is my hero. Paul is my hero. But not in the way that the flesh looks at it. And it's crafty and his schemes get us astray. He says, love me. Go read 1 John, all of it. One, two, three, four, five. You will be absolutely gobsmacked with what's there and the reality that's declared for you. Because he says, if you love me, then my love is being perfected in you, which means you'll live as I live, which means it's no longer hard to love people because the love in you is me. It wasn't hard for Jesus to love people. He laid his life down for people. Why? Because he had the substance of his father in him. When you have the substance of love in you, it's no longer hard. The reason it's hard is because you're still living and you need more of him to be able to fulfill that commandment. The great commandment we could stop and just preach. You could say to me, what's the purpose of God? I'd just say, love him. That can't be enough. Here it is you come into that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll unveil everything else. Make sure you start in the right place. Start leads an accurate finish. Guys, he keeps it so simple. Out of the 613 laws, what is the most important to you? Why? Because of what I have in mind. See, we've got to capture this again through the Spirit. He said to the religious teacher when he was asked that question, he said, you've answered wisely intelligently you're not far from the kingdom of God it's easy to answer the question intellectually and still not be far from entering into the kingdom you can give the right answer but are you living the right way that's how you know you're in truth doesn't matter what you say it's how you live Are we the demonstration of God on the earth or not? Are we becoming the demonstration of God on the earth or do we just know how to answer questions? Can you hear what I'm saying? Because that's what he said. The whole question in Mark 12, 28 to 34 is around what is the greatest commandment? And then they repeat it back to one another. He says, you are right that the greatest commandment is to love God. And he quotes Deuteronomy. And then Jesus says, you have answered intelligently, wisely. You're not far from the kingdom of God. Where is the kingdom of God again? You haven't yet entered into the kingdom because you've got to be born of the Spirit. And continue to live in the spirit if you want to enter into the fullness of the end. For this is a spiritual marriage covenant, not a physical one. I'm going to marry my bride. So the apostle comes, the prophet come, and they keep saying the same thing. And that's a bit annoying. But they say it until they see it. Because they can see it, and they know it when they see it. Why? Because they've entered into it. You have to have a reference point for the truth to be able to speak the truth. Otherwise, you're just speaking nice words, and they are powerless and empty, and there's too much of that that goes on in the church. It's theory-based truth. It's not revealed truth, so it lacks power. The powerful truth scares the pants off us if we hear it wrong. But if we hear it right, it brings life. So it's no longer hard. It becomes easy. My burdens are not... They say they're hard? He they said they're light and easy. <laughs> um, that comment about the running, 2 Timothy 2, also of any... If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Gift. Salvation is a gift in the sense of justified state. Reward is a prize. Work out your salvation. I want to partner with you. I'm going to do the work. Through your surrender So an athlete in the natural Runs according to the rules Otherwise they have a false start What happens in a race If you start in a false start Disqualify from the prize What if you don't know you've started And it's a wrong false start So the gun goes You're off And you're so quick You're out the blocks And you don't hear the Hey False start And you're gone and you run your whole life a false start to get to the end of the New York marathon to go, where's my prize? And they go, sorry, you missed the call. It was a false start because you weren't running in alignment to the end. What if you start in the wrong place? It's a false start. So have we started knowing the end from the beginning? No, I didn't. But that's okay because God's going to come and he's going to send apostles and prophets and he's going to send the son, he's going to send Jesus and he's going to speak a message to go, hey guys, you're slightly off-center, you're two degrees off but if you stay two degrees off, you end miles off at the end. So I have to send you people to bring you back. They were probably off as well. And while they were running off course, I got hold of them. Preaching to myself, but I know that day, and I know my heart, and I know I was open, hungry. Why? Because it's about him, not me. I'm going to read you a word that I was given from Ezekiel, and this word has defined quite a lot of knowing and having it confirmed the gift of my life while at the same time I know when I got it I didn't have a clue what it was about and uh, I don't know if Simon actually knows this but I was with Simon about three years ago and not in Rubies in um, Q Cafe and (laughs) it's going to be a bit embarrassing because we were talking and as he was talking to me and I was listening God started (laughs) speaking (laughs) I can multitask. I am one of the rare males that can multitask. (laughs) So he's. (laughs) She'll tell you the truth. What were you saying? Oh, I think you were whining about something. (laughs) I think he was trying to. Yeah, that's right. Do you know what you're doing? (laughs) But as Simon's talking, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to me, clear as, and I heard this go back and read Ezekiel with the new knowledge you now have. See, I got this word six months as a follower of Jesus by Graham Marchant. Who knows Graham Marchant here? He's not here anymore, but Graham's still working. I've met up with Graham numerous times. He gave me this message six months into being a follower. I had no understanding. In fact, I thought the context was completely around going to reach lost people. And the Holy Spirit, through our conversation, Started speaking and said, "Go back and read now with new eyes." And I say this just to share this with you that this is a reality that's going on in all of us. Okay, Ezekiel three eleven. Ezekiel three is all about Ezekiel's commission. Okay, so Ezekiel three, sorry, no, uh, four. Ezekiel three verse four. Then he said to me, "Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them." For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligent speech or difficult language, but to the house of Israel, nor to many peoples of unintelligent speech or difficult language, whose words you cannot understand. But I have sent you to them who should listen to you, sorry, but I have sent you to them who should listen to you, yet the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, since they are not willing to listen to me. Surely the whole house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate, Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like Emery harder than flint, I have made your forehead. That's a pretty hard head. Do not be afraid of them, or be dismayed before them, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, take into your heart all my words which I will speak to you and listen closely. Go to the exiles, to the sons of your people and speak to them and tell them whether they listen or not. Thus says the Lord God. We are Israel in the sense of the church. Go read scriptures. There's a spiritual reality to be discovered. The commonwealth of Israel talks about now you're coming into this world people of one, that I'm grafting you into a people of one people, a royal priesthood. This does not undermine those Jewish people that are going to come in. It has nothing to do with that, but God is not looking for two people. He's looking for one. This challenges us to the core. God is not the God of two. He's the God of one. Five gifts, it's really Christ. Three gods, it's really one. Not two people that remain two people, it's one. We have to capture this through revelation. The scriptures are there, go have a look at them. In Galatians, Paul specifically, specifically, intentionally talks about Israel, God's people. You know what Israel actually means? The one who wrestles with God. Now, I'm not, please hear me, I'm not saying that there is Jewish people that are going to come in, but we very much separated it out. And through the Spirit, he's looking for one people. I come looking for the house of Israel, of the promise of Abraham. It's one people. The woman who was caught, sorry, the Canaanite woman who came in Matthew 15. Sinner, wretched, disgusting. They all tried to send her away. What did she have? Faith to see. Everyone sends her away. Even Jesus doesn't want to know she's even there. But she has faith to see. What does she know? She knows she's of the daughter of Abraham. Abraham is father of, lived by, In who? Christ. What did he come for? The whole. See, this messes with us because we lack sight. And so we see, two, please hear me again because I know this can be confusing. I'm not saying that there are Jewish people that are going to still come in in the tribulation. What I am saying is that when God brings us together, he's bringing us together as one. There is no Jew or Gentile. One. Not of flesh, spirit. What for? He's not marrying two brides. That's called adultery. Think about it. He's the God of one, but he marries two women. He says to you, Greg, if you take two women, that's adultery. He's marrying one. People of the Spirit. It has always been his plan from the beginning to the end, from the end to the beginning. It's just whether we can see what is written, not because we're trying to study it through the intellect, but the Holy Spirit is bringing us into it. You'll never understand what I said and try and never learn it through your intellect. You'll get entangled up and that's what's happened. Ask the Spirit of God to reveal it. The word apostle is the Greek word apostolos, which means sent one. They are sent to God's people firstly to declare the whole purpose of God's plan of salvation for mankind. They are sent to God's people firstly to declare the whole purpose of God's plan of salvation for mankind. So Moses was sent to the Israelites before being sent to Pharaoh. Do you know that? Uh, what were we up to? Okay, They are sent to God's people firstly to declare the whole purpose of God's plan of salvation for mankind. Okay? So salvation is not just accept the blood. Salvation is he wants to save your spirit, soul, body. Thessalonians. He wants to bring the mature person and build. It's not just this wash me of my sin. It's renew my entire being. That's what salvation is. It's a process, it's not an event. We've made it an event. Justification, sanctification, glorification. God takes care of one and three. In the middle is where he says, Walk with me and one another, and we're going to do a work in you. Okay, so that's the salvation process. The gospel is the power unto salvation. The continuous feeding on the word of God, the gospel, not the words of the gospel, the gospel, Jesus himself, eat that will work you your salvation out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If it's all done, why does he say work it out? If it's all done, why is there a judgment seat? It makes no sense if it's complete and done. Now it is complete. Now come into the completed work. Can you hear what I'm saying? It's complete in the spirit realm. It's complete there. If you eat from that, the realization of what will be yours, and then you'll be matured. But if there is, I say to people, people go, oh, the it's because you hear it through fear. I'm not good enough. I'm not this, I'm not that. That is fear. You belong, but he wants to grow you up. So if you hear that, there is no condemnation in Christ. So if you're hearing that, you're hearing through the flesh. You're hearing through you because there is no condemnation in Christ. But we need to know the truth because the truth sets the captive free. But the truth can repel you. Yes. So why is there a judgment seat for the church if it's all done? Why doesn't he zap us now? Because it's not all done because it's a judgment for reward to see how you lived. Did you live a surrendered life? Did you come into my life? Did you love people, love me, do my will? And that doesn't mean just turning up on a Sunday. Anyone can do that. Anyone can act from their flesh. Anyone can serve God from their flesh. Anyone can look good and not be godly. I'm not saying you're not justified by his blood. I'm saying you're still not going to be able to live out what he has for you. So when the pressure comes on, and the test comes on, and God tests your faith through a trial, he's doing it to show you if you're actually being built or not. It's not to harm you, it's to show you, oh, you know what, you've been with me five years and there's not a lot of building going on, because that's not the fruit of my spirit. That's the flesh deeds. So if anger comes out of you, there's a bit of work that needs to be done because that's not a fruit of the spirit. If you can't control yourself, then that's a fleshly work. The Spirit controls you. Can you hear? We can turn up here, we can gather, we can write notes, we can do all the stuff that good Christians do. doesn't mean anything. If His power, His truth is not entering into you and changing you so you live differently. Paul said, man, I don't even live for myself anymore. What's that position? I don't even know what that is. I'm so beyond that place of letting go, which, guys, is the basics. It's the basics of Christianity that you don't live for yourself. See, if we're still living for self, we probably haven't received the gospel. Can I say that? The gospel sets the captive free. You've probably heard words, but you haven't heard the word, the gospel, in power, spirit, which creates a conviction, which creates change, which means you live differently. I don't say it to hurt you. I say it to bring you into life because if you've lived in 10 years and you're not demonstrating something, wouldn't you want to know if it was for you to be able to live? Wouldn't you want to know, God, could I experience a joy that's not about emotion? Are you really telling me, Greg, that I can experience a joy and it's got nothing to do with emotions? For the joy set before him, he went the cross. It was a bad day. Emotionally, the day sucked. He's not living on his emotions even though we are emotional beings. He's living beyond this stuff. Is it possible to have a peace that guards my heart and my mind? Be anxious for nothing when stuff happens. Yes. Wouldn't you want to know it was possible if it was? Yes. That's a great answer. So God sends apostles and prophets to declare the will of God. It says all things are possible. So he sends Moses to the Israelites first, not Pharaoh you know when he says be strong and courageous, it's got nothing to do with going to Pharaoh first. Go read Deuteronomy before Joshua. Sorry, sorry, I'm getting them confused. Same thing though. Okay, he says so Moses goes to the Israelites. You're telling me to go and say that I am sent you. They know who I am as they've got a track record of Moses. Okay. He started a bit rough when he came out of Egypt. Why? Because he was learnt from Egypt, so he kills a guy. He runs away. Forty years. Forty years in the wilderness preparation, it's called. Forty years and he's ready. And then his first assignment is to go back to the people of Israel and then stand before them and say, um, um, uh, uh, can you bear with me in a little foolishness? Um, yeah, um, are you sure? Are you really sure? You know, because I. I uh, uh. You know, Acts said he was a man of power, word, and deed. So, what happened to the man of power and deed out of Acts 7? Because the man's a bumbling idiot now. Because <laughs> what he's about to say, he's about to say, I am sent me. <laughs> to a bunch of people who know exactly who I am, is, and they look at Moses and go, Who do you think you are? plonker you've been with the sheep man It's the most disgusting employment for a Jew to be a shepherd out there in the flocks in the wilderness and you're telling us that I am send you are you will you listen I'd rather not be here he's saying I'd rather probably go back to the sheep you know what, they're not going to be like a pharaoh. But you know what's more scarier? Coming before the people and declaring something that's before them and hoping they don't kill you at best. They might walk away from you or put their head in the sand and hope it all goes away. Same with Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Now we think, like I did, maybe you don't, that starts in Joshua one four. Starts in Deuteronomy twenty eight. You know what he says? He says Joshua be strong and courageous. Why is that? Because the people, your people, are already scheming to be go away from me when they get into the promised land. They're already making up plans to walk away from you and me. In the promised land, the land that I've promised them, they're going to live for themselves. So, son, be strong and courageous. God prepares us for what he calls us for. He empowers us for what he calls us into. Doesn't make it easy. Doesn't make you got to step right out there and say, this is how it is. Up. And yet they're sent for the building up of the church. They're a helper, not an enemy. So why does the church at times treat them like an enemy? You know why? That's a great answer because we don't know God and we don't have ears to hear. And so there's a way that seems right to us but it ends in death. So we don't receive And he said, "I've sent you to build the church. So if you're not receiving, if you're not receiving the gift that God's given you, it means you're not opening up. You're not experiencing it. Is that right? You're not enjoying the reality of what it was for. It's simple. So he sends Moses. Jesus was sent. This is in your notes. Peter was sent. Paul was sent." So all those blanks are sent the apostle the prophet are sent, called by God to do the will of God, not chosen by man, but sent from above. i'm just freewheeling this isn't in your notes i'm going to read i'm going to read this real fast ephesians three one to twenty one encourage you, go home, eat this. Drink it, eat it, drink it, eat it, drink it, eat it. Paul's stewardship. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. He's a prisoner. He's in chains for Christ, not living for himself, for the Gentiles. What an incredible man. If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. So I'm a prisoner for Christ, if you've heard of the grace given to me by God. If you haven't heard, you probably don't know he's saying who I am. In fact, you're probably going to think I'm a false ap- apostle like they did. Okay? That by revelation there was made known to me the mystery. As I wrote before in brief. How did he get the mystery? Revelation. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. You now can understand, what does he say? The insight, sight from within. I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, Ephesians 1.18. Why? Because the insight that I have through revelation, I'm declaring something. You can't declare what you don't have. You can't speak or you shouldn't be speaking of what's not been revealed because how do you know it's him? But we do. So he's saying by the revelation that was made known to me, the mystery, I have insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. How? In the spirit. Who to? Apostles and prophets. This is so clear. It was not made known to the other generations, but now you, this generation, we're talking thousands of years ago, 2,000 years ago, and now us, okay, it's the same truth. Prophet in the spirit, to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. One people of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. I hope your mind is connecting to last week's notes. Okay? If it's not, go back and have a look at last week's notes because they're all connecting in. Grace was given. He's saying grace is given to me. In accordance to what? His own strength? No, the power of God, the working of his power, God's power. was given to me a grace, what for? To preach the good news to the building up of the church. Yes? Tracking with me? Okay. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery of which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things. So that. So here's this reality that he's been revealed. He's declaring, he's telling everybody there's a grace put on his life for the purpose of letting everybody know this mystery. Why? So that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in christ jesus our lord in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him therefore i ask you to not lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf for they are your glory this man lived his life for the church For this reason, 14, okay, so you've got to get that and go, this is huge. Then he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, the Ephesian church, according to the riches of his glory. He would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that, there's that word again, Christ may dwell, inhabit, reside, live permanently in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, is your root system love? Rooted and grounded in God, because God is love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? I want to stop there. What I found really interesting when I switched from the NIV to the NASB because the Father told me to, and I was reading this and I was going, oh, yeah, the height and the breadth and the depth of the love of God. Well, the NASB doesn't say that. It stopped. Verse 19 says, and to know the love of Christ. So it says this, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of God. There's an and. It doesn't say the depth to know the love of God, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. So I said, God, oh, that's weird because I just filled in the blank because I'm used to the NIV. And he said, go have a look in the footnotes. And you go to verse 8, and it says, to bring to light the administration. How wide, how high, how deep is the administration to bring to light the riches of the fullness of God and to know the love of God? I was like, what? What? Meaning God's purpose. How does God build? You see, Paul has revealed a mystery. What is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay? Now we reel that off as if it's a nice hymn. How is that changing you? Think about it. It's been hidden. Christ in you is the hope of glory. The Bible says that the God of hope wants to fill you with all hope. How much hope is living in you right now? See, there is a reality, guys, to fight for. When I say fight for, I don't mean physically. I mean seeking, actively pursuing, and asking for the fullness of God. So Christ in you is the hope of glory. This is the mystery the man has revealed where? In himself. he saw on a journey. He then gets filled, smashed, when Ananias comes with the baptism of what? Love, power. He's like, oh my God. Goodness, what is this happening in me? I once was this, and compared to what I was, this is but rubbish to a reality I'm now in. It wasn't this, oh yeah, I became a Christian. Yeah, whatever, life stays the same. Christ in you and I is his hope, the hope of glory. See, the problem is, We don't have a reference for it. So he has to send people who have references for it. So you can have a reference for it. If all the wisdom of treasure and knowledge is contained in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ lives in you, are you living from wisdom? Or are you living from your wisdom? We've got to be arrested by what I'm saying. It's to stop you in your tracks, get you on your knees, and fast and pray like you never have before. That's what the truth is supposed to do. Where's Paul? On his knees. Why is the man on his knees? How can he do that? Because he's received it. See, you need to be praying into what you're looking at. Otherwise, it can just be prayer that's going out, but it's not attached to a target. See, the man is praying in an alignment to what he can see. Christ in you, Christ maturing in you, is a maturing Christ bride, yes? The end is a marriage covenant. The end is a marriage to a mature church. Galatians 4.19, who can tell me what it says? I'm in labor again until Christ is formed in you. Why? Because the Galatians were going back under the law. They were going back under the flesh the way they used to live. He said, who's hoodwinked you? Who's come in and beseeched you or bewitched you of what was? How come you come in the right way and now you're living by the flesh again? Man, I'm in labor again. I'm laying my life down again. I'm trying to birth something again for you. Not for himself. See, when you're full, you don't think about yourself. You're full of Christ. Self goes whoop. You can't have two. It's either him or you. And the more you're in Christ being formed, less of you. Yeah? Yeah? So then you live that out. You don't look for your interests of yourself. You don't think about yourself first. You don't think, oh, what's that going to cost me? You've already paid. You've already said I'm in boots and all. There's no negotiation on the table when Christ and you, the hope of glory, is being formed, not just this, oh, yeah, I prayed a prayer and the Spirit came on me and it was a good buzz. I'm not knocking that. Please hear me, but I'm talking about a full, mature, What were the purpose of the fivefold? Who can tell me what the four things were? Unity of the faith, mature bride of Christ, the knowledge of God. If you've got the wisdom of God in you, the power of God in you, you think it's coming out of you? Do you think he did that for you just so you can bottle up inside? No, he wants his glory spread into the earth. How's it going to happen? Through the manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God. Where is it? In the church. Well, is it? Is it? I've been looking, going, come on, preaching, come on. I want to see the manifold wisdom. I want to see everyone jumping up, preaching, laying hands on people, doing the thing, loving everybody. The manifold wisdom of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory will come out of you, and this will be a radiant church that love We will. Man, it's full on. It's not this piddly little, what about me? I'm, can you hear me? I am not mean to be knocking that, but it's like we, I've got to, We've got to wake up. There's a reality. Christ in you is the mystery. The manifold, the administration that he also saw was the fivefold gifts. Who wrote it? Who wrote the book? What's the purpose of Ephesians? Eternal purpose. It's the main theme. So the man that was given it wrote it. Why? Because he came into it. Yet he wasn't. He was Saul under the law, under Gamaliel. He was lost until before he was, before the beginning of time. The Bible says, Galatians 1.15, he was called for this time. Before I was even in my mother's womb, he says, I was chosen for this day, for this time to bring to light the mystery of the bride of Christ. Christ in you is your preparation, the formation of Christ for your bride. For your wedding. God, it's amazing. Whew. I think we've had enough, eh? There's heaps more notes. The scriptures Um But what we'll do is we'll just fill in the blanks, okay? We'll do that. So on page seven, uh, just you got one, two, three, four. The literal life of Jesus Christ revealed and formed in us is the main message Paul was given to share with the Gentiles, kings, and Israel. The literal life of Jesus Christ revealed and formed in us is the main message Paul was given to share with the Gentiles, the kings of Israel kings in Israel, Acts 9, 15, 16, Galatians 4, 19, and labor again. Colossians 1 to 24 is that particular passage where it talks about I'm gonna read it. Now I rejoice, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do share. On behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been made manifest, manifested to his saints to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Have you seen that passage before? Have you gained understanding from it? He's admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom. Jesus Christ is wisdom. So that we may present every man complete in Christ. Manifested to his saints. What? have these passages and the statement above got to do with God's end purpose? It's the bridal preparation message. God is looking for a mature bride for his son, not an immature one. This is not a heaven or hell message. You're a son. It's just whether we're going to be mature sons or we're going to stay immature sons. And then in Philippians, I love it, eh? The title says, The Goal of Life. And Paul then shares with you, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me. As it is a safeguard for you. If you're wondering why Greg speaks the same thing over and, over and over and over and over and over and over and over, differently. It's because it's a safeguard for you and me. Same, same, but different. Paul did exactly the same thing. It's the pattern. Jesus said the same thing. The kingdoms like this, 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 like this. Like this. He said the same thing. He repeated himself until it hit. And he sent the Spirit of God. And he did the same thing. The Spirit of God is going to lead us into all truth. See the pattern. Then he sends apostles and prophets. And they repeat the message. It's not new. It just gets lost. Why? Because man takes over. And then you read this. And you know that word perfect? Listen to this. This is Paul talking about how life before Christ is rubbish. Come to know Him. He says, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I press on so that. I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. Man. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God In Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. It's clear as crystal. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, little g, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity, glorification with the body of His glory, by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things unto Himself. If the Apostle Paul was pressing on and would say words like, I'm not perfect yet, and then would say this, Guys, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. Be apostolic in your heart. Be apostolic in your thinking. Don't look behind. Don't look at the last so many years as a waste. Nothing is wasted in God. It has all been working to this point today because you have a reference point for something that you didn't have before. How do you know what you don't have if you haven't experienced something? You know, you don't know food can be better until you've eaten that food. You and I were born destined, predestined to be as bright To love him with your entire being. To fall in love with him. Not a person. Not a dog. (laughs) Not money. Not a job. Him. He is enough. He really is enough. You don't need in the sense of anyone else here. I need you, we need one another, the gifts to walk together. But if I need Danielle and she needs me to survive, what happens if she dies? What happens if she doesn't meet my standard of what I've set for her to meet? How do I love her? How does she love me when my behavior doesn't meet her expectation? You know what? I can't. He says, do not entrust yourself to man. Do not do it, for he knew what was in man. He knows the potential of every one of us to turn. He knows my potential to turn and go flag it. It's just all too hard. So why would you put your trust in me when I can let you down? Don't look to me. Don't look to the eldership. Look to God. Trust me, but don't put your trust in me. Put your trust in Christ. So if I ever stuffed up, you could actually restore me and not judge me and condemn me. And I'll do the same for you. Because love covers a multitude of sin. Because love can. Because I've fallen in love. Love. See, because you fall in love, you can model love. But you can't model what you don't have. So he said, Christ in you is the greatest mystery known to mankind. Not a drop, an ocean. I'm here, Paul's saying, until this work is formed in you. Because there were people. Because he keeps using this word, us. He says, imitate us. He's not talking to everybody because... To the Corinthians, he says, I can't even share with you what I want to share with you because you're still immature. Then he goes to the Philippians and he says things to them. Then he goes to the the, uh, Colossians and he says things to them. So there's this us. He can see the us that are imitating him. And he can see the us or the people that aren't. And the people that aren't are to come into what is, so then they can all be one. We want to go where it's all us. (laughs) See, we claim stuff because it's scary to look at the true state. God wants us all to be able to demonstrate. But there's a work, isn't there? So he sends gifts, to see the work done. We say we have the mind of Christ. And then we have insecurity issues. Those two things don't go hand in hand. Okay? I'm not saying this to offend. I'm saying this to realize that we are to come into. If he says be anxious for nothing, he means it. He's going, you can have mind of Christ you have the potential to have the mind of Christ the more Christ is formed in you if you have the mind of Christ why would he say you need to renew your mind does that make any sense to you and me so the seed of God lives in us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit wants to bring you and I to the fullness of what already is so then we actually have the reality of thinking like Christ. Yes? So I'd say it like this, however you want to say it. We all have the potential, because it is, to be realized what already is. So when he washes us, you're holy and blameless, now he says, now through the process of sanctification and righteousness, step into what is so you are fulfilling what already is. It makes no sense to me because there's no fear in God. Would that be fear? So if fear is not of God and we're in fear, then it's because the mind is thinking wrong things. Which is not the mind of Christ, it's the mind of man. So God wants to come through his word and his power and transform that mindset so fear goes because I'm not the God of fear. Fear comes because of flesh. And because we're worried about ourselves, we're afraid because we think of loss. So it's what am I going to lose? And all of a sudden we start worrying and fear grips us. But he says, That's not of me. That's of your flesh. So there's still work to be done. Yeah? See, he gives you jealousy. What's that? What's that? That's flesh that still needs to be sanctified by truth, even though you are holy and blameless before me. It's a bit trippy, isn't it? It is a bit trippy holy and blameless, then walk it out. It's a complete work, but it needs to be completed. You're saved, being saved, going to be saved. Can you hear that? Because once again, if it was a full work, then it wouldn't be hard. We'd be able to do everything he asks because the work's been done. And that is what he's doing. He's doing the work to us who surrender to it and he sends gifts for the work to be established in our hearts and our minds because when you see the end, you see the purpose for why you'd want to let go. See, if you can see you've been invited to spend your eternity with the one who created all things and be this close, as Revelation 22 says, where you will see his face, No one has seen the Lord's face and lived. See his face. Have his name written on your forehead and you will serve the Lord. Go read it. It's a promise for bond servants. Who are bond servants? Overcomers. Who are overcomers? Mature sons. Who are mature sons? His bride. Who's his bride? The body of Christ. Multiple imagery. Painted throughout his living word To capture you If you don't get the bride I'll get you its sons If you don't get sons I'll get you at nation If you don't get nations I'll get you overcomer They're like little bear traps Gaw, What was that gotcha Now that I've got you for five minutes Let me talk to you about my plans I'm Trying to get out of the bear trap Wow that's a pain in the thing This thing wow, Stopping me living for me Yeah that's right because I just want five minutes to share the end before you start. I want to share with you, Mary. Come and sit with me at my feet. For she did the one thing that was right. But her sister was worried about many things. She's running around and Jesus is in the house saying, Hey Martha, come and sit here. No, nah, too busy. I didn't order the sandwiches that you're making, Jesus said. "Yep, yeah, not too busy. I'm sure you want them. Come and do the one thing that your sister is doing. When you sit at his feet, he talks. He reveals. He longs to. He longs to share his plans with his people. But while we're running all over the place, busy with our lives, it's very hard to hear. And he waits. Sometimes he trips you up intentionally to stop you. Smack! Oh, what was that? Must have been the devil. No, it was God. Did the Jonah. (laughs) Here's the scary thing. If you stop, when you're not in him, you're anxious about many things. What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? Be still and know I am. But see, when you be still, you start to get exposed. So you keep busy to cover up what you don't want him to know, which he already knows. <laughs> and you certainly don't want anyone else to know, even though he sent you them to walk with you, that you could actually be honest and and so you hide in the dark. But when you're in the dark, you're not in the light. Even though you're in his shadow, the light's not shining. Because you're hiding So he sends His people Which we all are to speak To say come out It's okay Because we're all for one another We're not against one another And it's okay To sit at his feet And allow the God of love To love on you In that state Until he loves you into rest And loves you into peace. Loves you into joy. Because you've allowed love to overcome fear. Amen. So Father I want to thank you for tonight. I thank you for the work you're doing here. In our hearts and our minds. Lord I know it's a deep work. It's a deep, deep work. Where you are unanchoring us from foundations that are not of you and bringing us into your foundations so we can live out your conclusion. I thank you that you're taking the time to teach us, Holy Spirit. I thank you that you care enough to stop here at number four, Naronga Gorge in Wellington to a people called the Rock family, and that you wait here patiently for us. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. And I pray, Lord, we would turn. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would turn tonight and be found at your feet. And allowing you and asking you, and our walls would come down like we sang this morning. And that you would, because it's your heart, and I know you will, you'll reveal Yourself. And the depth and the riches of who you are sets the captive free. For the truth which is you, Lord, have come to set us ablaze. So may we be found in you. May we be found abiding in you. So love is being perfected in us, which enables us to walk in the manner to which you walked, which is love and power and an abundance of life. Father, we ask these things in accordance to your will tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen.